In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the And welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles. I am Ron O'Colick, your host, because it is St. Patrick's Day, and everybody's owe something or other on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable, the un 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 everything. New England's own Van Helsink with me, Saint Janet. Hi. Or is this Saint O Janet? Whatever. Anyways, this is my charming wife, who uh, the keeper of the keeper. Anyways, happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Live on TojiNet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. So anyways, it's St. Patrick's Day. Do you know uh, all about the leprechauns, Janet? Well, just from this. Uh, well, what's a leprechaun? Oh. I know, he's just a little guy. He supposedly has a buried pot of gold if you can catch him. And he'll have to give up the pot of gold to you. Do you know where this supposedly came from? No. Well, actually, I did a little research on it. And once a time, they were uh, great warriors. Oh, the leprechaun? Yeah, and they, oh. were, they were defeated and driven on the ground. Who defeated and, them? I don't know, somebody bigger and better, evidently. <laughs> so much for research. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so eventually they came out of ground. That's why they always see me like the living in hollows and whatever. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and so supposedly um, they're cobblers. Actually, they're male fairies is what they are. Okay, so they're always male. There are no female leprechauns. No, there's no female leprechauns. Okay. Uh, a female leprechaun is a fairy. Well, I don't know if I can use those words nowadays, but... Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, definitely, the male leprechaun, uh, male fairy is a leprechaun, and is a, uh, a shoemaker. Oh, okay. So the little cobbler. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> but, okay, uh, leprechaun. In Irish stories, a creature like a little man with magic powers. Okay. Well, so sort we just of, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the story about it. it are uh, leprechauns real? If you think they are. Well, we actually have a report of a sighting one. Ashley, you have that tape ready? 
Well, just in time for St. Patrick's Day, crowds are coming by the dozens to get an up-close view at what some say is a piece of Irish folk- folklore. Some people in the Crichton area of Mobile say a leprechaun has taken up residence in their neighborhood. A leprechaun. BC15's <laughs> Brian Johnson has more. Curiosity leads to large crowds in Mobile's Crichton community. Many of you bring binoculars, camcorders, even camera phones to take pictures. To me, it looks like a leprechaun to me. I got to do a little bit of tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? Eyewitnesses say the leprechaun only comes out at night. If you shine a light in its direction, it suddenly disappears. This amateur sketch resembles what many of you say the leprechaun looks like. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations for the image. My theory is it's casting a shadow from the other limb. Could be a crackhead. I got on to the wrong stuff. And it told me to get up in a tree and play a we're going to get down to the bottom of this. We're still on there, guy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, man. This guy helping to direct traffic says he's prepared for his encounter with the leprechaun. He's suited up from head to toe. This was our smells right here. This is a special leprechaun flute, which has been passed down from thousands of years ago from my great-great-grandfather, who was Irish. I just came to help out. Others just came to get lucky in hopes a pot of gold may be buried under this tree. I'm going to run a backhoe and uproot that tree. I want to know where to go. I want to go. Give me to go. I want to go. This is Brian Johnson, NBC 15 News. People will do anything for a pot of gold. I mean, anything. You know what I like? I like the amateur sketch of the leprechaun. Yeah. Like somebody got a really good look at it and got that good drawing of it. Who did that? I want to know who sketched that. I don't know. Maybe Brian sketched it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good story. If you want to see the uh, the video of that, I actually posted links to that on uh the Parax chat room and also on the Tojinet chat chat room. It's really, I mean, to me, it's like the equiquinsole leprechaun story. I think you meant. Never mind. You can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sure can't. Uh, yeah. Anyway. The ultimate, maybe. Yeah, that too. But it's really cool. You got, you got to check the video out on it. It's it's been around for many years, but every uh, St. Patrick's Patrick's Day. Uh, you know, it's like my wife doesn't allow me to play Christmas music uh, until after Thanksgiving. So, I mean, this is something I have to wait every Patrick's Day, St. Patrick's Day to play because I love it that much. But anyways, check it out. It's cool. So, anyway, we have a great show tonight. We actually have uh, John Horgan, who has uh, written, well, he does a lot of events and uh, knows an awful lot about the Pukwajis, the UFOs, the Bridgewater Triangle, all that, that stuff down there. Do you know anything about that? Um, I remember you telling me about the Puckwudgies. and I remember seeing that film with Maureen. That was really freaky. Yes, it was. And, I mean, that's when the Puckwudgie actually uh, passed into her and uh, took her over, which was kind of interesting because we did catch a lot of that on thermal imaging, which was uh, pretty cool. Well, frightening, if you want. Uh, you think it's cool, I think it's frightening. Well, you say tomato, I say not frightening. Well, I thought it was very frightening. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, um, I, I see Bob's in the chat room. I want to thank Bob so much for going to my paranormal discussion group. That was uh, last Thursday, no, Tuesday. Yes, it was Tuesday, right? 
last Tuesday at, at Circles of Wisdom. Uh, that's something we're going to be doing every month. Uh, and eventually the people that are in that discussion group are going to go out on our own private uh, ghost hunt. Just the group, nobody else. Just me and the group. So it, it was a blast. And uh, so, Bob, thanks for coming. And uh, all that crap. Anyways, uh, this Saturday we are at the Mystical Whispers in Salem, New Hampshire, which is a metaphysical bookstore. And you know, you know what? All my life, I can never figure this out. I mean, you know, I have my degree in environmental science, and I've always been like a mash potatoes and steak guy. I mean, I really never was into this nandy pandy stuff. And I've been into more neo what what new age bookstores and and psychics and all that stuff. But anyways, we'll be there Saturday doing a book signing. Uh, so that should be interesting. You going to be there? Maybe. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I need the car. You know that. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, we are now a one-car family. We're doing our part for the ecology. Yeah, we're going green. Did you see, speaking of going green, did you see the uh, uh, cartoon in the paper today about leprechauns and going green? Yes. Yeah, a husband comes into the, the wife's bedroom and the <laughs> woman's in bed and he opens the closet and there's a little leprechaun in there and she says, well, I thought you wanted me to go green. Uh, anyway, do you know the difference between a Irish funeral and an Irish wake? Is there a difference? Yeah, one less drunk. <laughs> so we've offended all the Irish people. Uh, I'm trying. Did I miss say. anybody? If I if I have missed you, um, please you know send me a message, and I will certainly add your name to my hit list. And uh, we can definitely a little later on. We'll, we've got the list, which is uh, how can you tell if your uh, host is haunted by a leprechaun? So, what do you think of that? What are you doing over there? You're not paying attention. I can tell. Yes, I am. I'm just trying to think of something. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyways. <laughs> um, other things, events come up this year. I do want to mention before our guest comes on the year is that we do have a paranormal cruise, which is going to be kind of cool. That is going out of uh, Rye, and it'll be a three-hour tour. And um, we will be going to some of the haunted islands and by some of the haunted lighthouses, and that will be narrated by myself and uh, Jeremy Dontremont of the uh, Friends of Portsmouth Island and also the American Lighthouse Foundation, which is uh, and does a lot of work for the preservation of lighthouses. And speaking about lighthouses, we do have uh, a bunch of events. Uh, on August 18th, we will be doing a ghost hunt uh, for the public at the Portsmouth Lighthouse, and that's for benefit of the Friends of Portsmouth Lighthouse. And then on, um, what is that, September 11th, we will be doing an investigation of Wood Island Lighthouse. Now, Wood Island Lighthouse is on a small island, Wood Island, and uh, they don't really let paranormal groups go on, but uh, it is a fundraiser for them. And we will allow only 18 uh, yeah. Yeah, guests to go on this, but it, the money goes to the Friends of Wood Island, so that's kind of cool. Don't you think? It is. Um, the organization, the preservation of lighthouses is 
I think, a very worthwhile organization. History is very important, and the preservation of our history is important, and all these things have to be done by private individuals that take their own time and efforts to be able to preserve these lighthouses. So, I right. And, and I believe that, too, because, I mean, you, uh, who, who's not the most ambitious person in the world, uh, did help out with our ghost hunt tours at the uh, Portsmouth Lighthouse last year. I'll get, get you for that later, Ron, Ronnie. Yeah. But that, that actually is pretty good. I mean, we surprised how many people love lighthouses and love ghosts. And because, you know, the association with them is, is phenomenal. I mean, just... Well, exactly. Exactly. History and... Um, lighthouses and the, you know, uncertainties of making a living on the seas or, you know, nearby the seas is very fragile. So there's a lot of, of heartache out there that can be registered in the, the fabric of the building. Right. I mean, that's one of the things we always talk about is the, uh, uh, you know, what keeps spirits around. And, and it seems that uh, water is somehow can help or it can hinder. It depends what you believe in. I, and for instance, in, in the olden days, uh, uh, it was believed bad luck to bring a, a body across a bridge over a body of water. They believed that the water would suck the uh, soul from the, the deceased person. Did you know that? Um, probably. Things come in and out of my mind, you know, something stay for a while and something <laughs> don't always stay. <coughs> As long as they should, but yes, that sounds very plausible. Yeah, actually, I mean, for instance, in Concord, uh, Massachusetts, they have a oh yeah 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 they right. have a, uh, a north uh, burial ground and a south burial ground, and the reason because of that, I believe it's north and south, whatever, it's some direction, east, west, north, south, whatever. Okay. Uh, but anyways, the the reason because of that, there was a small stream that runs through the town of Concord, and it, as I mentioned, they would not bring the bodies over this. Uh, stream, so they had their own burial ground on one side and the other burial ground on the other side. Well, I guess it worked for them. Right, and I mean, the other thing, you know, I I never believed that, for instance, that spirits could uh, hunt ships that had sunk. But we had a uh, person on the on the show, I believe. I'm trying to think of it, Ghost Pro or something. Uh, they're from Florida, but they're professional. Uh, Divers, and they have documented many instances where paranormal activity has occurred beneath the surface of the water, which is kind of weird. Weird, but even even more sad to think of them being under underwater. Why? I mean, they're not affected by any material objects, so why would it be any sadder? I don't know. Just... For instance, if you're in your stateroom on a beautiful ship, of course, it's not beautiful after it's been underwater for 100 years, but... Uh, yeah, I imagine it stays the same. Yeah. Well, it may not be logical, but it was an emotional response. I just think it's very sad. For instance, so you're thinking like the Titanic, you know, when the Titanic sank, uh, do you think those people are still there? No, I would hope they've gone on. Uh, interesting thing. Uh, I know, in fact, it's it's in our, our new book, which is coming out in um, September, 365 uh, Ghost Stories, Ghost of Day, and one of the the uh, entries in it is about the artifacts from the the Titanic and how places that uh, exhibit it uh, have had 
ghostly phenomena associated with it, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that would be, and I can kind of see that happening. You know, all the trauma and horror that happened that night, especially when they thought that they were invulnerable, it couldn't happen to them, and boy, it did. It, it did. I mean, it, I mean, a lot of a lot of tra- now. For instance, there's another story in the book about uh, um, the ghost of a certain famous person, but he did not go. Uh, he go with his body. He actually went with one of his. Uh, offices on his from from uh, he used to command and he actually stayed with him instead of going with his body, which is kind of weird. Oh wow! So serving even after death. Yeah. So I mean, there's so much we don't know about the paranormal. It, it drives you nuts every time you think you've got you know all the answers. It doesn't happen. Well, it would be nice to know, but there's things that we just aren't destined to know. I know. As much as we would like, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I do this, because, like I always say, that um, every time you, uh, it's like going over a hill, I think. Uh, you want to see what's on the other side, but once you, once you get over there, there's another hill, so you don't, you don't get your answers that you were looking for. You think you got it, but uh, it doesn't happen. But I think that's part of our nature as humans, that to want to see if we can uh, decipher a mystery or find out, quote, what is on the other side of that hill. Right, but... Uh, we have a curious, curiosity to want to understand things. Right. And, you know, one of the things, in fact, when I talked about in our paranormal discussion group um, yesterday was that our brain likes to put things in order. Uh, so that's that's another thing that we have to deal with. I mean, for instance, there are people who have a paranormal experience, and it might scare the crap out of them when it occurs. <laughs> but the, the longer they're away from that particular incident, their uh, brain starts to rationalize, where by the time, you know, somebody, so much time has passed, that they actually, actually rationalize the paranormal thing is, is something that wasn't paranormal. Right, because it feels more comfortable that way. They want to understand something. If they can't, they have to find a way to feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Well, at least that's my, my theory. I agree 100% with you. I mean, I, I do believe that uh, that's what happens is that uh, it's all about comfort zone. Uh, you know, children, for instance, um, you know, very young, they see a lot of uh, spirits and so forth. It is believed. Uh, these imaginary friends, in fact, uh, maybe are spirits. But after a while... Uh, they kind of condition them. Right. Well, their parents actually yeah. condition them, or their guardians condition them, saying there's no such thing, and then uh, eventually they rationalize, and then they, they don't believe in it anymore. But anyways, uh, our guest is on the line now, so why don't we bring him on? And, uh, John, are you there? Yes, I am. So sorry I'm late. Oh, that's all right. I was uh, talking with my charming wife. This is the only time we get to talk, you know. <laughs> well, now, nice I, show. I am talking with John Horrigan, uh, who, you know, it's such a great name, and, and you've got such a great voice. Like, you, you should be somebody that's really, really important, like a, 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 a news anchor or something. I mean, not that you aren't important, but, I mean, you, you just have that, that voice. You have the name, you know, John Horrigan reporting the news. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You say there was a lot of catch to your name. I'm sorry. 
it's been acquired over generations of uh, you know, doing a lot of reading and, and a lot of sports broadcasting, and uh, you know, I've been very, very lucky uh, to, to do the things that I've gotten to do in media. Oh, so you have done sports? Okay, so that does make sense then uh, that your voice, is, why your voice is so cool. I mean, I would die for a voice like yours. You see what Bernie mumbles and fixes his metaphors. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I'm not the purest speaker e- either. I'm one that likes to stay to a script, so uh, I feel for you in that regard. Uh huh. Uh, I don't do a script. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> anyways, John, you you are so involved in the paranormal. You have been for quite a while, I, I, and you do a lot of really good work on it. I know you do some great events. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and some of the, the things that you have done and, and are, are doing? Sure. I guess my specialties in the paranormal uh, arena are UFOlogy and cryptozoology. I've done extensive UFO research, having traveled out to Roswell, New Mexico, three times. Um, you know where the famed uh, UFO crash took place in 1947. Uh, to Gulf Breeze, Florida, where spectacular UFO photographs were taken in 1987 and 1988. I've been out to the San Luis Valley in Colorado studying cattle mutilation. Um, I've been to Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, where some odd, unidentified object crashed into the woods of a rural Pennsylvania town in December of 1965. Um, Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia, where in 1967 something plummeted into the waters of this sleepy fishing village in Nova Scotia and stayed for almost 48 hours underwater and then uh, moved out to sea. Uh, it, it was near a, a top-secret strategic air command installation. I've been to Area 51, uh, to the Lockheed Skunk Works, uh, all throughout New Mexico, uh, chasing UFO stories and going to UFO hotspots. So that's one side, and I, I did all that traveling, Ron, uh, in the 1990s. And then I, I have the cryptozoology side to me. I, I'm a Bigfoot folklorist, and I'm not the type of guy that dresses up in camo fatigues and goes out looking for an alleged eight-foot man-beast anthropoid. I like the stories that have existed uh, for the last 200 years in the press, dating back to the early 1800s. And I've had the luxury of traveling out to the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, and uh, I got to meet uh, some of the great Bigfoot researchers, whether they're Rene DeHinden, uh John Green, Peter Byrne, uh, Larry Lund, and Grover Krantz. Uh, really? A close friend of mine is Don Keating in Ohio. Huh. And then finally, I went to uh, Loch Ness uh, looking for Nessie. Oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah, and all I caught was a cold and a bit of a buzz off the Guinness there. So, <laughs> did I did I actually tell you that I I, I have met Bigfoot a uh, Bigfoot? Really? Yeah, my brother. Oh, oh he's go. got like size twenties. God, those things are huge. <laughs> Anyways, I I always find you know UFOs. I mean, mo- most people who know me know that I'm like not a UFO guy. It's not that I don't believe in them. It's not that uh, one way or the other. It's just that I'm so involved with ghosts, I really don't have time to deal with them. Do you know what I mean? I understand completely. I'm just the opposite because I don't have any time to explore ghost researchers. There are far more uh, experts like yourself that are credible that have done the extensive research, have gone on the investigations, have the equipment um, that I stand down because I wouldn't know where to even begin. I have some of Hans Holzer's books and some of the great ghost books. Oh, but, the uh, godfather of the paranormal. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So I understand completely. And plus, uh, there's a lot of infighting in the field, as you find in, in any 
aspect of paranormal phenomena. They tend to eat their own in ufology. So uh, <laughs> it, it can be a turnoff. That's funny. <laughs> but you know what's interesting, John, is uh, a good friend of both of ours is uh, Jeff Belandra. And uh, he wrote that book, uh, Weird Massachusetts, and one of the, I've been to his presentation like umpteen trillion times, and one of the things he always talks about was uh, this UFO sighting in uh, the Boston area, I believe it was. I'm sure you know about this, right? The one from, what, 1638, the bright uh, light in the night, that one, the the earliest UFO sighting, if you don't count the uh, green orb seen by Columbus, that's if, if you're referring to that. Uh, it it is. The one that was actually in the newspaper and everything back at that time? Uh, it was mentioned in the early um, Boston newspapers um, that their Betty Lucas Andresen, or Andresen Lucas, um, had some spectacular vivid sightings in western Massachusetts in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. um, one of the great UFO photographs ever taken was the Salem Orbs photograph taken in 1952 in Salem, Mass., by Coast Guardsmen. Um, there is an entire litany of UFO sightings in Massachusetts uh, over the past 200 years. Yeah, but I was, was fascinated by this one because they said it looked like a pig. Yes, exactly. Wow. A swine, I, I believe, is what they said. And I think, Ron, is that that was the only point of reference that they had. These are, these are uh, colonial farm boys, right, Puritans, and they only had reference to farm animals, and uh, the only thing that was in the sky were celestial objects. So to see something moving about, um, it startled them. And right. uh, as you know, I love early pre-World War II uh, UFO sightings, and there was a, a flap of uh, scareship sightings, they called them, in 1909 in Massachusetts, 1911 and 1912, that were seen by thousands of people. So uh, the, the study goes back hundreds of years in Massachusetts alone. Right. And, I mean, there's something, now I can never think of the name of it, was it the Fuji, Fuji Fighters or something? Uh... No. Foo Fighters, and Foo Fighters. Uh, Dave Groh, who used to sing uh, play with Nirvana, he formed a band called that. But that those these were globular lights that were seen by our long-range bombers and fighters during the Second World War. And it was taken from the Smokey Stover cartoon, and he was quoted as saying, where there's foo, there's fire. And, uh. of course, our plane crews thought that they were German uh, secret weapons, vengeance weapons, and the Germans, we find out at the end of the war, uh, think that they belong to Americans. And uh, if you saw Steven Spielberg's uh, uh, epic miniseries, Taken, they uh, delve into that quite frequently. And then what happens at the end of World War II, when all of the Operation Paperclip and they're bringing the German scientists to America to help with the atomic program, you see the, a rash of ghost rocket sightings that emanate from Scandinavia, Sweden. John, we're going to have to hold you right there. Yep. Keep that thought. Yep. We've got to take a break right now. Anyways, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles Live on TojiNet, PowerX, Ghost Channel, and Beyond. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. 
are strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Para X family. Being frugal doesn't mean being cheap, and the Frugalitarian is here to show you how. Jody Olson is the Frugalitarian on Toginet, 3 p.m. Central, Wednesdays. This is the art of great living. It's just a matter of time before people start asking you to tell them your secrets to better style, bargains on food, home decor, and clothing. Your wants don't have to change, just how you acquire what you want. On the Frugalitarian, it's an uncommon mix of style, fashion savvy, and earth friendly, showing you great taste, great style, and great ideas for finding everything you want for nearly nothing. I'm speaking from experience. I live on a beautiful farm where I take care of sheep and do a few light farm chores for extremely low rent. For more clever ideas on how to waste not and totally want not, go to thefrugalitarian.com. Join us every week for more information on how you can live better for less with Jody Olson. It's The Frugalitarian, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Live on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And my very special guest is Mr. John. You know what? It kind of fits for the day. Horrigan? How's that? Hi. <laughs> is that Irish? Oh, yeah. is, that, is that Irish? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, so you, get the, you missed all the, the slurs, the racial slurs I started the show with? Oh, yeah, I missed them all, but I got them all at work today, so don't worry. You're uh, they, the boys hit me hard at work today, so. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but anyways, uh, John, you also do a great event, which I, which I want to mention, and it's called the uh, Monster Mash, which is kind of a cool name. Uh, I don't know why somebody else didn't scoff it up before you, but they didn't. It's, it's the Mash Monster Mash. Yep. Um, it, it was born on Friday the 13th, 2006, and we're getting ready for our fifth and maybe, maybe final show. No! Uh, well, Say it ain't I, so, I, Sam. Uh, part of my, uh, my part-time profession, I'm, I'm a professional sports announcer with the Boston Bruins alumni, and I've been told that my passport ready for October that I'm going to be going to Sweden, Finland, and, and possibly Russia for a tour with the National Hockey League. So Sweet. Wow. Yeah, and last year I was supposed to go to Ireland on the weekend of the Monster Mash, and I, when the, you know, the team had a great time over there, and, and I kind of kicked myself. So I want to free myself up for that opportunity. It's a I don't blame you. Up. Well, that's that's kind of sad. Uh, you know, you know, I'm a uh, hockey player as well, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I've been doing it for years. I actually started uh, when Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito was around. I, I didn't even couldn't skate before, prior to that. But uh, up until I had my heart attack, uh, which was last year, not heart attack, but heart surgery, um, I was playing. I was the oldest dude in the uh, league. What number were you? What number? 13. What do you think? Okay, can I assess you a penalty in my sports announcing voice, Ron? I'm going to give you a penalty, as it would sound at the Boston Garden. All right, there you go. Okay, Boston penalty on number 13, Ron Colette. Two minutes for high sticking, two minutes for roughing. Two minutes for elbowing, two minutes for interference, five minutes for fighting, a ten-minute misconduct, a game misconduct, and two years probation. <laughs> Top of the penalty, 17 minutes and 49 seconds. Jeez, so like good that. thing this is, this is taped, so I can go back and play that over and over again. You, you know what's really weird is, is um, as I mentioned, uh, this is nothing to do with paranormal, but I don't care. I love hockey. Uh, 
it's it's really funny because I I did have a, a a heart surgery and and it took me a, a little bit to come back and when I came back it was like you got to realize this is my own team and my own team kind of like uh, you got doctor's permission I said well he really doesn't want me to play because believe it or not and and I don't think most people do believe is that hockey is one of the hottest things on your heart because you go on the ice and you get your heart rate up to like 110%. I mean, if you're doing your job anyways, you're skating really hard. And then you go onto the bench and you drop your heart beat all the way down again. So it's extremely difficult uh, and very arduous for your heart. So uh, anyway. And the adrenaline uh, factor too, Ron. I mean, you got to keep, you have to have eyes in the back of your head because somebody's looking to drill you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, for some reason, uh, some people don't like me. I have no reason why, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, that's my little hockey story, and, I, and I'm going to stick to that, but whatever. John, we actually have uh, a uh, caller that we have to take right now, so you can hold on the line, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, let's bring on the caller, and uh... hello. Hi, Ron. Hi, and we are talking with Laura Worcester. Uh, of the famous Worcestershire sauce fame. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you on? Uh, anyways, Laura Worcester uh, works for <laughs> Circles of Wisdom. So what's what's happening in Circles of Wisdom this week? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Oh, we have lots of things going on. Um, let's see. This Friday might be something interesting for your listeners. We have a spirit artist coming Friday night. Really? Yeah, Rita Berkowitz. She's a medium and a spirit artist. And, um, you know, she's, she's like um, other platform mediums who stand up and, and connect you with people on the other side, except she actually um, does images in front of you. She does artwork. Um, okay, so anybody who, who would like to see an example of that, they can go on to my Ron Kolick Facebook page, Ronald Kolick Facebook page, and there is a uh, video there of a... Spirit artist doing her work. Oh, it, not that one. You've got to see it. It's simply not, amazing. No, that's totally different. Oh no! <laughs> totally. Okay. Well, so, let me let me ask you this: in uh, if a spirit artist, I mean, does she mm-hmm. draw the spirit with clothes on or without clothes? Oh dear. <laughs> uh, is it a full body operation or is it just a facial? Mm-hmm. I, 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 these are things I want to know before I go. I mean, I just got to know. It's basically a head and shoulders portrait of the person. Okay. Yes. Um, so if anybody wants to see examples of her work, you can go to um, thespiritartist.com. You can actually see some of her work there, thespiritartist.com. And her name's Rita Berkowitz. She's going to be here Friday night at 7 p.m., and we do have some tickets available. So if anybody would like to um, come see her, uh, just go to the website, circlesofwisdom.com, and they can purchase tickets through there, or they can call the store. Nine seven eight four seven four eight zero one zero. I would really like to see her because that'd be neat. She's John, really don't you think great. that would be great, huh? To see a spirit artist, psychic artist, John. Yeah, John? I'm sure, spirit artist. That's, yes, that's the <laughs> yeah. spirit. You can't even see her. You have to look closely, right? Look out of yeah. the corner of your eye. <laughs> but, 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 John. I mean, I mean, wouldn't that be great if you you had one of those for your like UFOs? You could actually see what these little green men look like. Oh, I'm sure, and I'm sure the perception would be different if you had 10 spirit artists. There would be 10 different drawings. Wow. Okay. Anyways, go back to uh, Wallace. And, uh, you're not being serious. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Oh, dear. 
Um, let's see what else do we have going on this weekend. We also have our movie night. Our monthly movie night was going to be Saturday at mm-hmm. seven o'clock, and it's only five dollars per person. And the um, you hosted our last one. It was a sellout, which was great. Um, yep. But on, this, on, on crop circles and orbs. Orbs. <laughs> but this this time we have Food Inc. and it's going to be hosted by Pamela Seiler, and um, it it kind of covers the business of food, where it comes from. Um, who, where, you know, it, it's interesting how we don't know where our food comes from, basically. So it covers a lot of that, and, it's, and uh, it can be kind of scary, but it's really good stuff to know. So if anybody wants to come and check out that movie uh, Saturday night at 7 p.m., and we'll, it'll be followed up with a discussion afterwards. Yep. And you can find out more information at the website, circlesofwisdom.com. And we do recommend um, uh, um, getting tickets online beforehand uh, to save your space. Because like I said last time, we had a movie night. It actually sold out. So if right, anybody's interested, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> we'll blame it on Run. <laughs> so, um, yep, you can form, find more information on the website. And Which also, is? Uh, circlesofwisdom.com. Okay. <laughs> Anything else, young lady? We have so much going on, but you can see everything on our website. Okay, and I would recommend you sign up for their uh, newsletter and, and you get all this stuff so that you don't have to bother uh, Laura when she comes in here. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to do. Just go to the Circles of Wisdom website and you click right there where it says um, to enter your email address and you can you can uh, get the monthly or actually, uh, I think we do it weekly now, um, email newsletter. It gives you all the information, updated class uh, listings and things like that. Okay. All righty. All right, Laura. Thanks for dropping by. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, bye Take now. Take care. Bye, bye Laura. Laura. Bye. Well, they cut her right off. Not good. Sorry about that, John. Well, that's quite all right. You know, but, I mean, it's part of the, the, the service that we do here is we like to let people know what's going around, you know, you know, know what's going around. What's what's happening, I guess, is a better word to put that. That's so, right, anyways, John, we were talking about uh, ghosts. We were talking about uh, UFOs, uh, big feet, hockey, and monster mash. That's right. Yep. So, where do we leave off? I have no clue. Well, I, I guess I guess with the, with the monster mash, I, may, I got a good story for you. Somehow, through my research of Bigfoot, I've been pulled into hoaxes over the years. I'm not a researcher, as I mentioned. I'm a folklorist, and I'm the last guy you want to come to if you've seen a Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Not that I'll mock you, it's just that I'm not interested. <laughs> and uh, let me preface this story just by telling you about a story that took place in 1997 when a researcher uh, in Tennessee claimed that he had been chased out of the woods by a Bigfoot. He sent me a cast, and I have a collection of plaster casts. And oh, I compared wow. it with a cast that I already had in my inventory, and I knew that he had hoaxed it. He had made a, a rubber um, form-fit plaster cast and just duplicated it and sent it off to me. So let's cut... Now to this past summer, it's early July, and I get a phone call from a gentleman from Vermont saying he wants to know where he can go find Bigfoot. Oh, God. And I'm about to, to hang up on him, and then he says he's going to go on my Hockamock Swamp Tour. And you're familiar with the Hockamock Swamp. It's in the heart of the Bridgewater Triangle where allegedly strange creatures and strange uh, occurrences take place. And um, I told him a place called Elm Street in Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. And so lo and behold, uh, uh, about five days before the tour that took place on August 2nd, 2009, I get a call saying that this fella had found Bigfoot footprints. Moreover, he pulled a cast. So I'm thinking, come on. You know, Ron, imagine if, if, uh, if I ask you where can I find a ghost, you 
rattle off a place and I come back with, with some incredible EVPs. Wouldn't you be suspect if I knew nothing about ghost researching? Sure. I had some I'm, kind of pull, pull one over on you. Could be so, lucky. Uh, yeah, I could be lucky. That's but possible I, the, I, uh, the mind. Well, I had one that said, well, well, you're going to die. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so so uh, I'm looking at this cast, and um, you can see it online. If anybody's interested, just put in Bridgewater Bigfoot cast. 2009 into Google, Bridgewater Bigfoot Cast, and you'll see the video. It's on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, and you judge for yourself. So uh, he showed up in the Monster Mash with his cast. It was broken at this point. And it's this enormous cast that, that looks too perfect to be true. And it, it, the proportion, just some Bigfoot experts like Lauren Coleman looked at it. He wasn't too thrilled with the authenticity of the thing. Uh. And the creature would have to be well over eight feet tall. So the long and short of the story is I'm coming out in May. I'm going out to eastern Ohio, to Cambridge, Ohio, and I'm declaring it a hoax. Okay. And this is an exclusive on your program. I know wow. the gentleman hoaxed it. And, so, um, so are you bringing protection with you or, or what? I, I, I'm not afraid of anybody. Trust mm. me. Trust me. I, I'm not afraid of anybody. Uh, okay. So wow. It, it, I mean, this, that, that this is... guy should be the one who needs protection. <laughs> So, so you're, you're really going to, uh, yeah. yeah, expose it. Yeah, yeah well, it's not, a lot of people have defended its authenticity and a lot of people that you and I know because some of their research has come directly from this person and therefore their, their research and the cases that he's handed to them and the evidence is now suspect. And moreover, um, I've been you know, researching Bigfoot stories for a long, long time. I'm not a ghost researcher, but I do know when I see a footprint, if it's if it's semi-authentic or bogus, and, and this falls in the you got to be kidding me category. So um, I, I will be uh, doing a 30-minute speech in Ohio on uh, May 14th of this year. Wow. But, John, let me ask you this. I mean, I, I had a paranormal discussion group last night at uh, Circles of Wisdom, and this is one of the things I brought up. It, it, it's so difficult, for instance, say someone uh, took a picture of me and, and there was a woman standing next to me, and, and there was... No woman in that room at the time, right? And, and they sent the picture to you, right? And mm-hmm. you saw me and a woman in, in the photograph, and they said, well, this is a ghost. Wouldn't you poo-poo that and say, you know, no, that's not a ghost. That's a woman I can clearly see. Well, well you know the history of, of ghost photography, spirit photography. At the oh, time I know of the, the history all too well, trust me. Yeah, all yeah, and the numbers. But you, know, you know, Ron, in this day of Adobe Photoshop and digital photography, all bets are off. Anything yeah, know, can be hoaxed. But isn't that awful, though? But what if it was the real thing? And we, and we would absolutely semestically, yeah, I can't even say it, semi, uh, whatever. Cross you're, the board. you're proclaiming it a hoax, right. And yeah, what if it was well authentic? Yeah, exactly. I mean, isn't that awful? It is, but what about the hoaxers? Isn't that awful for people like you and all of your friends and the people that are, dedicate their, their lives as authors, as researchers, uh, and, and uh, readers? That, uh, that look into paranormal phenomena, and you get this P.T. Barnum clown that wants the spotlight on him, and you give him the spotlight, and now it's time to kneel it down and, and you know, and uh, That's true. It's true. put it out of its misery. But, and, you know, and, for, uh, instance, for instance, uh, John, uh, whenever there's, like, an article in the newspaper about uh, me or the New England Ghost Project, they always bring in uh, Mr. Nichols, Joe Nichols, to, yep. to, you know, to dismiss it all. And, yep. and you know, it really... Frost me because he absolutely knows nothing about me, 
And, you know, I have a degree in environmental science. This joker's got a degree in English literature. So, you know, give me a break. Yeah. You know, yeah. what makes these people, just because they establish themselves as uh, someone who doesn't believe in anything, that makes them an expert. Right, and they attack your personal, um, your background. Like, they don't understand your, your, your scientific background, your educational background. But, um, you know, Joe doesn't have two nickels to rub together, and that's why, you know, Joe's looking for nickels. And then there's another <laughs> cat named Michael Shermer, who's uh-huh. a skeptic magazine. And, and they're just out there, and, you know, Penn and Teller and all of them, they're there to chop you out at the knees. And you and I know, Ron, um, that we, we have to understand, as human beings, that we may not be able to understand um, our existence, that you have seen many, many things and investigated many cases that you cannot explain. You cannot come up with a rational scientific deduction. And uh, it, it, you know, man is not smarter than the universe. The universe is smarter than man. And as soon as right. people wise up to the fact that you don't know every, anything, Jack, and uh, that there is another dimension, and that there are strange things happen, and that perhaps there's a soul, perhaps there's an afterlife, there are ghosts or entities that hang out in places, and uh, they, they refuse to look at the evidence. They refuse outright, and, and it's, it's sorry. Hmm. But uh, you are also an expert on the um, Bridgewater Triangle. I've done the research. I've, I've walked through it. I, I own BridgewaterTriangle.com. I did a nice CD that you probably yeah. heard with. Uh, I love Rush that CD, by the way. That's that the cool thing. If somebody wanted to get that, by the way, what, what it is is the whole uh, stories uh, uh, compiled by uh, John uh, Pittman and uh, Balzano. And, and it's for Balzano. Yeah, it's great. And where, where could they get that if they wanted to get it? Uh, they can log on to www.BridgewaterTriangle.com. Okay. And it's it's really great. uh, Balzano's website, too. Okay. Now, now one thing why I brought up the Bridgewater Triangle is that there was some mention of zombies in it. Now, this one always freaked my mind. Uh, I I know someone who's actually uh, going there, and and they're concerned about the zombies in the Bridgewater Triangle. What's the story on these zombies in the Bridgewater Triangle? Uh, First, I've heard of zombies. I can tell you right now, Ron, in the past three years, that you got a he said, he said, she said type thing. It gets like the old children's game of telephone. And uh-huh. one little weird event gets spiraled out of control into this eight-foot purple a man-eating monster known as a zombie. I couldn't even talk to that um, account. Um, you know, I've heard somebody, they've been, this Cope Cut Road, this phantom trucker that uh, Chris Balzano investigated on Cope Cut Road, he right. came away with no tangible evidence, yet now people are coming forward saying, uh, it, it, it's a real live entity. So I haven't heard of any zombies. I've heard of, of uh, strange creatures, roadrunners, or, or bipedal entities that have been seen uh, in the town of Bridgewater, been seen in eastern Massachusetts, but I haven't heard of a zombie per se. Okay, that's good. I wonder if Bazan will put that in his book. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, he does have a book out called The Bridgewater Triangle, right? It's some of the mysteries of the Bridgewater Triangle or something Ghost? like that. Yeah, Ghosts of the Bridgewater. Oh, Triangle. there it is. There it Excellent. is. Thanks. Thanks. And also, Thanks. I recommend Doc Woods, I think, was his piece to resist on. So I think that was his masterpiece. What is? Doc Woods. It's about oh, three Doc Woods. Yeah. 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 I, I think it might be in Doc Woods' effect. I think there might be a reference of a zombie in the, in there or somewhere. I, I don't know. Someone said something about Chris Belzano. And, of course, uh, I, I know Chris well. I, I'll, I'll just have to, have to get him on the show and find out the truth. But uh, thank you so much for sharing that information about the uh, exposing of the uh, uh, fake, what do you call it? Uh, big, uh, big Bridgewater Bigfoot cast. Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, breaking news on this show, and 
And uh, yesterday on uh, Ghost Chronicles International, we had the uh, uh, Chris, what was his name? Chris Conway, who was a psychic for a British television show who left the show and was going to expose everything. We actually got contacted by the television show, telling they were going to sue us if we had him on the air. But we had him on anyway, so. Yeah, a lot of legal talk. Legal talk. Yeah, yeah. A lot of browbeating. <laughs> exactly. So, um, John, now, I mean, if you're going to be doing all this traveling with, with the Bruins or alumni or the National Hockey League, I'm not sure which it was now. Is the National Hockey League or the alumni? The NHL alumni in conjunction with the Boston Bruins alumni. They're going to do a goodwill tour. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, will you be still dealing with the paranormal when you go? Yeah, I, I will tell you that I'm, I'm working on an audio project right now with some friends that will probably be launched in the late spring or early summer, and I, and I can't talk any more than that right now. I'm trying to secure trademarking, um, legal trademarking, and protecting my uh, my franchise and my friend's franchise legally. Yeah, I don't believe um, Because, as you know, people litigate. It's a litigious lot, and they, they say that they own something, but you have to own it before you announce it. Uh, but I, I will stay at arm's length. I have to tell you, Ron, that, that some people, the, the mega personalities in the paranormal uh, industry, some think that they're more important than the people that uh, that write about the phenomena, the people that read about the phenomena. And scary, they think they're more important than the phenomena itself. And, and I just find that as a turnoff. And um, um, it's until you, you're, you're at a stature where you're international, where, where you're bringing people um, together in forums, you're not as big as you think you are, and, and I think the bigger they are, the more humble they are, and that's what I found. So. You know what I really find interesting is that, uh, you know, even some of these paranormal shows that are on here, they might draw a million or a million and a half people, but in the scheme of things, uh, that's like nothing, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, television uh, listening audience even, but I mean, if it's, it's phenomenal, but uh, yeah, I agree with you that there are a lot of egos involved in uh, it's a shame in some instances, but anyways. Yeah, and the radio shows that you speak of the podcast, I always say, and I don't mean to be offensive, but as an announcer, I always say, if you don't have any talent, don't worry, you can always podcast. And uh, <laughs> they're redundant, and they, they regurgitate the same guests over and over and over again, or they do telephone interviews, and they think that they're they're the bomb, you know, and... Uh, uh, you know, it's 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 not the case. It's not the case. As soon as you think you sound intelligent, I try to tell my students, stop because you're not. <laughs> you're well, see, I, I never have to worry about that because I never sound intelligent. <laughs> no, but you're very humble. You're very, very humble, very, very uh, down-to-earth, off-to-the-earth. And, I mean, it comes across in your broadcast. It comes across in the way you interview people. Um, and you're a good listener. And I mean... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, be, before... Uh, I know we're running out of time here. Uh, anything you would like to promote before we go? Yeah, um, uh, basically my websites, I have a few of them. Of course, they can log on to www.monstermash.org. Um, we will be having a Monster Mash on October 15th. If I'm there, that's to be seen. Yeah, and what's the lineup on that? Uh, what was that? What's the lineup on that? I, my wife is producing it this year. I threw the keys to my wife, Jen. She's going to be producing the whole thing. So I, I, I've honestly uh, said, hey, I haven't been able to sell the joint out. I've been losing four thousand, five thousand dollars a year on it. I'll throw her the car keys. You drive it. So um, she's looking into that now. We do want to get somebody on vampires, and we'll take all suggestions. Uh, we, we'd love to get somebody in, but the, the docket's wide open right now. Oh, really? I, I know quite a few uh, people. Uh, I know, of course, Michelle Belanger is 
first one that comes to mind. Or if you want to talk about, you know, like Michael Bell or even Thomas D'Agostino, if you want to go the uh, Mercy Brown vampire. Yeah, I know. I know Tom. You know, I know Tom and Eileen very well. Um, yeah. So she, she will be producing that. And then the other way that they can check in, um, I'm a historical raconteur. I'm a historical meteorologist and uh, a disaster historian, oh, cool. and I'm a, I'm a historical economist. But ushistory.me, www.ushistory.me. And then finally, they can friend me on Facebook, John Horrigan, J-O-H-N-H-O-R-R-I-G-A-N. Find me on Twitter under the same name or LinkedIn. So that, those are the ways to get me. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't even think you're my friend on uh, Facebook. Darn, I'll have to rectify we'll that little that. problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll check that. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, John, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having God. me. And... Uh, once again, good luck with your endeavors, and keep in touch. Uh, and let me know how you make out with that uh, ooh, exposing of the uh, Bigfoot thing. You'll hear about it. Either you'll read an obituary, <laughs> or uh, you'll see an arrest in the police blotter, or uh, you'll, you'll hear about it online. All right, John. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ron. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Happy St. Patrick's Day. You too. Erin Gobrales. Uh, bra. Oh, Ronald. Anyway. Uh, hopefully, okay, it's time for our, uh, feature, which is the Ghost of Gettysburg, so why don't we, uh, play that now? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghosts of Gettysburg, brought to you by Mark Nesmith. And the ghosts of Gettysburg. This is an actual message left on the ghost of Gettysburg answering machine. What you about to hear is real. Nothing has been changed. Is truth stranger than fiction? You decide. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. 
Deliver us, good Lord. 